Once I landed in South Korea, everybody was walking towards the passport control. I was walking the opposite side. I want to jump back in the plane, go back home. Going from corporate to being an entrepreneur, it's a totally different ballgame. When you're in corporate, I was in a level that if I want things to happen, I just raise a phone call. I need a website to be up. I need this contract to be reviewed by legal team. In your own business, you're doing all this. You're in a foreign country. It's a new language again. What was their preconceived ideas that they had of you? Zero. You're nobody. And you will never be somebody. Success leaves clues. Whatever you want to do in life, somebody did it. So you need to be smart enough to learn it from somebody. If you get a lot of entrepreneurs in front of you, the successful ones and the failed ones, they both have the motivation to succeed, the hunger to succeed. But one failed and the other succeeded. So it's not about the motivation. It is... Well, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Alpha Talks podcast. After 60 episodes of hearing and learning about the stories and the backgrounds of some incredible individuals, today I'm Lachlan Kitchen and I am turning the table on the Alpha. Oh Safe my God. El Hakim, star of the Alpha Movement. I love that. Sorry, hero of the Alpha Ooh. Movement, star of the Alpha Talks podcast. We are flipping the tables. I can't believe it. And today the interviewer becomes the interviewee. How are you Ooh, feeling about this? I love that. Uh, feels different yeah. being in this chair and now in this chair. But it's an honor to have you with me today. <laughs> Look, you've done You're gonna well. No, well, you've done a tremendous job over these sixty or so many episodes, and you've spoken to amazing leaders, people who are stars and inspire other people. And you've learned a lot of lessons, but we haven't really learned a lot about you. So, so one of the things that we want to do today is we want to really share part of your story, mm. so people can hear about your background and learn about why you wanted to start the he Alpha Movement. Pushed me to do this episode. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee was good yeah. enough for me to come back. Look. It, as is always the case, we need to go back to the start. Sure. So go back to those early days, Safe. Tell me about you and your childhood. Where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born in Giza, Egypt, into a family of um, two, uh, myself and my sister. Very family-oriented, I would say, culture. Mm -hmm. Very interesting enough, I was not into education at all. Absolutely. So you struggled with education? I didn't want to study. I was a sports person. I was uh, in the Kung Fu professional team. So I was only, always focusing on sports and never education. I was always ranked the last. Did you have a happy childhood? I did, yeah. I did. I did. I have a loving family. And we're, like, you know, in our culture, the family is extended. It's not only my mother and father. It is aunts, cousins, uncles, and, and, and. So we're always in... A pack. We're always moving like a pack. Who was your closest relative? Oh, my, my cousin. Why? Her name is Dina. She's my age. She's my sister. Kind of extremely close together because we're similar age. And I have a turning point in my life where my cousin comes into play, like into the scene, and things change completely for me. So would you say it was a happy childhood? Yes, yes. Why? Uh, you know, the sense of family, the sense of caring the sense of supporting each other, the sense of um, the family looking after each other. This is something is extremely important. I don't see it in different cultures, I would say, but it is very important to me. I, I agree as, as a white Australian. I, I don't really have that the way a lot of I see Eastern European, Mediterranean mm, and Asian too. families have. And it's a, 
it's a it's a real compliment to a lot of families the way they can keep that relationship so tight but from from having a happy family where was the point where you perhaps realized the dream was there ever anything inside you in those early days if it was such a happy childhood was there ever something that had a struggle that lit a spark in, in inside you you know it's what i see if i look back into my life in general everything starts with a challenge I got faced with a challenge and then things changed. I remember my time, as I told you, like I was too much into sports. I used to exercise two, three times a day with my friends, playing soccer in the street. Were you obsessed? Obsessed with sports, even till, till now. Sports is extremely part of my life. But, and then I said I have a cousin extremely same age as me. And I used to go to her before exams. So I want her to make me study something, a quick thing to make me pass the exam. I need just to pass because I was a terrible student. And then one moment in my life before an exam, I was studying with her and my aunt comes in. My aunt is my mother, my second mother, okay? Her mother came in and she simply told her, why are you wasting time with an idiot? And you know- Did that hurt you? Absolutely. Though I love her like crazy. Like my aunt is my mom. And again, my cousin is my sister. A quick note, I find this incredibly intriguing. On the back end of our YouTube channel, it says around 75% of you who watch this channel frequently over the lifetime of this channel haven't yet hit the subscribe button. I just wanted to ask you for a favor. It helps this channel so much if you choose to just subscribe. It helps us invite guests that give you great value. It helps us scale the production and as well makes this show bigger and bigger for you. And if you enjoyed the previous episodes and you're currently enjoying this episode, could you please hit the subscribe button? I love your support. It's incredible to see all your comments and engagement. And we are just starting. Thank you so much. And I will repay this gesture by making sure that everything we do on this show makes it bigger, bigger and better. I'm committed to do this promise. Do we have a deal? Thank you so much for subscribing. It means the world to me. You're living in Egypt. Yeah. You're obsessed with sport. Were you obsessed with fitness or were you obsessed with the competition? Competition. Okay. So I always obsessed with I can defend myself. So there was a uh, there was a real in Australia we would say a battler, but you had this real fighting spirit. Yes. You, you were gloves up, ready to to 100%. attack the world. My favorite movie is even Rocky. <laughs> I I, I love thrive Rocky. on challenges. So you're in this challenge. So here you presented you're a warm, loving, big family, but you presented with this challenge of education. Yeah. Because it's the difference to, to, you, to the sport. True. Where you're succeeding at. And you've got a cousin who the night before you've got to do the maths exam. Exactly. You're saying, how help do we me. do this? How do you help you? And then you had the relatives that are saying, you're, you're, you're an idiot. Exactly. You know? And that... And how was that? Because that must have been the first time you'd sort of been rejected if you'd come from a loving environment. True, true, true. And it really, you know, it kind of, I was hurt, but at the same time, I was extremely challenged. Like, you won't believe it. I turned like this. And, you know, I always have a statement that comes inside of me. If you tell me that you can't, just watch me. So I stopped sports. I locked myself in my room, studied like hell. But what did your parents say about this? They must have they noticed a change. They didn't understand what's happening. Yeah. But totally I switched and even I became maybe like the number one in school after this. The number one. And people were, what, what the in hell? In all subjects or just all ones? All subjects. Like, what the hell? 
and you know like after all years you, so, you no, so, suck so, so how, how old were you when this happened uh, high school okay. high school period before entering like university and that uh, because after this moment happened i changed became the, like almost the number one in school then i got uh, into the best universities based on my grades and 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 so so is it really as simple as saying you had that first level of rejection yeah and people often talk about fight or flight yes some people get that rejection and they th- and they want to go into the room and close the blinds yeah. and go under the covers and and overthink things but you were like no so so would you say that that instinct to fight that rejection were you born with that is that your natural instinct i think it's cultivated in me through kung fu it's very hard to be a, a, f- a martial arts fighter and you get knocked down you step up you need to fight back you need to fight back and it's the same like with anything in my life if you try to mm, reject me whatever fight me i'll fight you back it's a natural thing in me so uh, that's switched totally my whole career career trajectory and so, my journey so uh, so you're at a point where you're you're great at sports you've got kung fu and uh, you hear athletes especially bodybuilders talk, talk about you've got to train to failure mm-hmm, you've got to push true, yourself true, and true. then come back the next day so you're here as a teenager you can't do sports so suddenly you've got it you've gone into the room and you're having to study maths and history and have to do all the subjects yeah. how tough was that and you know the point is what it's also we were we're sports people our body composition is very important to us you can come to a bodybuilder and tell him or a sports person you lost weight or you gained fat. he's worried about his gains like oh shit so this period of time my weight went up 20 kgs everything fucked up but it was a purpose that i had i had a purpose that i will prove them wrong just watch me and even you know like always my cousin was the number one and then i what was, what was your cousin's name dina dina yeah so i'm telling you even the teachers in the school like what the heck is happening this guy didn't know the difference between an a and b you understand and suddenly things i even don't know how it happened but i really locked myself i i i can say i was studying like 20 hours a day just food comes in food goes out food comes in food goes out until things switch did, and that's a challenging moment did, did you have a different relationship with your friends at school because suddenly you were probably not hanging out with your true, true, sports true, stars true, again and suddenly you're now dealing with other students that perhaps you didn't have a lot in common with and you know not only this it was like almost the last kind of two years in high school and then i completely changed the circle you understand it's not like only like the circle that you're in but i completely changed the circle but the good thing we didn't have this kind of like jealousy part so when i became like a kind of superstar in studying i started to teach them okay and i became very strong in math that's why i entered like uh, uh, engineering university i became very strong in math so i started teaching my friends helping them you, you weren't worried in those final two years at school that you weren't getting the female attention no, from no, not no, 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 no. <laughs> but really it was something and even i can't like if i reflect back i can't believe what happened i don't even understand how can you no that's that fast that's an inspiring yeah. story so you're suddenly showcasing your abilities academically you're in those final years of high school what what had your dream been up until that point when A you pilot. left school being a pilot and where did that come from i had a cousin 
who worked in an uh, airline, and I loved his kind of job, traveling everywhere. The glamour. Then this, seeing different cultures. We didn't have this internet. The, and you're we, the captain. Exactly. Going everywhere, somewhere. So even I, to now, my dream is, I have a licensed uh, pilot, but I have my dream or my goal to have my own jet. And I drive it myself. I, I like, fly it myself. Well, that's a, well, it's, nothing's going to be impossible for yeah. you. But had you traveled much at that point? No. At that time, it was very limited. Where It was basically like a couple of international trips. Internally a lot, locally a lot. But abroad, limited. First job. Did you have your first job at school or once you'd left school? When I, once I left. What was it? I, I used to work in a telecom operator called Orange. I was an engineer, then started to work in a telecom operator. Mm, it's in a department like for quality assurance, okay. VIP quality uh, things. It was a very interesting job, but I found in myself also, I discovered something very interesting. When you give me a job, I try to finish it as fast as possible. So I started like the job that takes a week for an engineer to do it, I start coding it to make it in five minutes. So at that time, I was like, oh, oh that's the guy. So, so you're, you're certainly wired that way because some people who may be in a, if they're a cook, they, they don't have that opportunity mm. because they've got to come in each night and cook the way the order's coming. But you obviously clearly like the engineers that I've worked with, they love problems so they can solve them. Exactly, thrive on problems. So you're there as the engineer, someone has a problem and you thrive on, I'm gonna finish it. Exactly. Suddenly it goes back to the competition and the sport. True. Here is the competition, 100%. I'm gonna finish this I as love quickly how you put it possible. actually, correct, yeah. it is like this. So, so, so we're sort of seeing a trend here mm -hmm. of you're loving the challenge, and the, but sometimes it's the problem that that's got to be solved. Yeah. So you're working for Orange and you're in engineering, but clearly in the back of the mind there's the pilot. Is that, is that still hanging around that dream? You know, I was extremely comfortable. And I was, comfortable's not a good thing. Exactly, man. that's the thing. Man. That's why my life is very strange. I was extremely comfortable. I was with my family, my friend, my relationships, and I was like, fine, everything is fine. And at that time, also, I was a superstar where I work. So I well, was- That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> like really, like, and things changed as well. So, and also still, yes, wanted to be a pilot. Okay, so that's, still. but you're sort of more thinking that's, that's in 20 years, or are you, are you letting go of that a little bit? You know, the interesting part, it, yeah, going a little bit, but I was, you know, in the Middle East culture is, okay, I need to get a job, then I need to collect money, then I need to get uh, married. Well, that was a career, like uh, the path I have to pass. Because so uh, my question was gonna be, you know, you obviously had a great relationship with your parents. Yeah. There must have been some pressure to get married, settle yeah, down. Yeah, true, 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 true. It's even parents and culture, you understand? like. You graduated, you have a very good job, you're making good income, so what is next? A big wedding, you understand? <laughs> like, it was like this. So it was like this way, and things also changed. So how many years were you working for, for Orange? A year. Just the one year? Just, and things changed. I never planned this kind of change, but it changed by a challenge as well. Because you had a, a, a big break, and that was working for Samsung. Yeah. Now, Samsung today is one of the most extraordinary companies on the planet. Mm -hmm. 
but but going back a few years, it, it wasn't at that level of Apple. It wasn't mm, as, true, as, true, as true. big as it really was. Where did that break come from to join Samsung? I, I was working in Orange, and then a friend of, um, a family friend, let's say, say like there is an opportunity happening, like Samsung International or headquarters is going around the globe, recruiting what is called global leaders. And this is type of a program that they go around the globe, different countries pick mm -hmm. top talents, they throw them in headquarters, give them the MBA scholarship, ta, 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 ta. they teach them, they make them work in the headquarters and throw them back into their countries to lead the subsidiaries. And I said, no, 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 I can't, I'm happy here, everything is fine, I'm good, like, I'm perfect. They said, just try. So I went to try. So it was a panel interview with a lot of people from uh, Middle East and Africa, like 10, 15 people in the interview, different countries. And I went over there and I was sitting in the interview, uh, sitting, waiting for my interview. Then I was late for my job, like I'm working. So like, guys, I need I've to go back. I've got problems yeah, to solve. Exactly, exactly. And I need to go back. So the lady over there said like, where are you from? So I said, I'm from Egypt. I said, anyways, you can go. Because Egyptians are lazy, so anyways, you're not going to win. Okay, now now I can see exactly. where this is going to go. Exactly. You exactly. were like, I've been here before. Exactly. And I, you know what? The, the problem is, I start to look around me, like maybe I imagine something. like, And, I say, and people are looking at me like, are you an idiot or what? Yeah. You understand? So it was an extreme humiliation that I suddenly said, okay, ho, 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 hold on, I have to react. So let's do a deal. You said I'm going to lose, so it's, it's your take. My take, if I win, you resign. That, that's a very brazen thing to say. I had to... <laughs> the awful thing. Yeah. So I had to put it front. And anyways, I took really the challenge. And you know, the thing is, and don't ask me how and why, but when you start to challenge me, things, the creative mind works. I'm an engineer. And the main thing with the interview was all about marketing, how to make Samsung mobile phones a hit. So it's a marketing thing. And what was your response to that question? Oof, I, honestly, I don't remember, but I, the main thing, I made everything possible to win this. Everything possible you can imagine. Like you enter an interview, a uh, panel, people like the head of marketing, the head of, the head of, the head of, the head of, and I had to make it happen. And I win. But the problem is, she resigned, thank you very much. But the problem is, oh shit, I don't want to go anywhere. You know, it's my comfort zone. I really don't go anywhere. And at that time... It was the, almost a lure in, in many ways. Um, some successful people talk about how their strengths are also their weaknesses. Mm. So you've clearly got this strength of, if someone tells me I can't do it and there's a challenge here and there's a problem to overcome, Watch me. I've got my lion, I've got my... True. you in and you've I've got to get this job she doesn't think True. I'm good enough True. so you've gone straight for it you're you're like the dog that's caught yeah, the parked yeah, yeah, yeah. car 100%. and you suddenly you don't know what to do and that's exactly you know I went back home and it's like what the heck first of all maybe my ignorance at that time I didn't know what is Samsung I didn't know exactly the strength of Samsung then, then, then how, how did you win over this interview? Because if you've turned up, you've been with Orange a year, you've got a panel of people, they're seeing 100 people. And is it, is it your, your charisma, ideas? Is I there think a the style? energy and the attitude, I'm going to make it. You just put me in this job and you will see what's going to happen. And at that time also, 
I had an interest in marketing. So I, when I was in uh, Orange, I was taking like personal courses, like side courses in marketing. So I started to develop my marketing, I would say skills. So it helped me at that time. But I went back home. What is South Korea? I don't know. I know Japan. What is South Korea? What is Japan? So, so you weren't going to stay in Egypt. Was part of the role you no, had to move. I have to, to fly to South Korea, and finished. Uh, get my MBA over there. Work in the headquarters, and like one you, once you finish headquarters, you come back to Egypt. And you probably thought the only time I want to go to South Korea is when I'm flying the plane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so these opportunities come up at Samsung. They're yeah. looking for these global leaders, yeah. and you've clearly got an energy and you've got a spark about you and that you know they're smart enough to recognize that in you and you're having to take this opportunity of not really traveled a lot you've been based in egypt south korea must have seen seemed like another planet to you at that 100%. stage how old were you when you when you got first got to south korea 21 something like that early 20s and, and was your your english accent a problem disaster Disaster. I'm a, I was one of the worst students you can meet. So though my family were like highly educated, they speak English fluently, I was the absolutely Arabic and two words in English. So they put you through an education program as well? No, when you when you are faced with the, with the situation, you develop. And that was the thing. I went there. Yeah, I can speak English, but not fluently. I can't carry a super duper conversation. But when, once you're faced with the situation, you're, you're done. So, so growing up, you were speaking Egyptian Arabic? Uh, Egyptian Arabic. And my school was in English. So even I was in like IGCSE, you know, okay. like the high school, the, uh, the Cambridge High School. But my English level, because I was not studying, it's like it's nothing. It's often sometimes hard. The more formal the English is, unless you're going to Oxford, yeah, sometimes exactly. that can play against you where countries have learnt their... English dialect. True, 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 true. So you're in South Korea and... No South Korean, <laughs> no Korean. No Korean, obviously. <laughs> a little bit of English. But did you ever reflect, and most people have a time where they have that imposter syndrome where they think, what are we doing? I'm just a, I'm just a kid that likes martial arts from Egypt. Or were you always certain that things are on the right path? I'm following my destiny. Mm, you know, once I landed in South Korea, everybody was walking towards the passport control. I was walking the opposite side. Like, I want to jump back in the plane, go back home. And also, things changed. I, saw, I start to see the culture. I start to see how the culture is different. I was never, I, would, I don't want to say, like, I was never thinking about educating myself to the next level. Mm -hmm. I start seeing people in the streets and in the metro reading books. They're not doing anything. At that time, I was, like, playing Snake on the Nokia phone. You understand? So I start... Not a Samsung. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And tell, I'll tell you something. I was astonished by Samsung at that time. I felt that I wanted to be part of this company. This company is really great. Uh, the headquarters of Samsung is equal to kind of Dubai size. It's not a building. It's a city. It's called Samsung City. So it's... I was... Oh, my God. What is this? I want to be part of this. Because... Media companies, it, it's such a changing and evolving nature. You only have to look at the story of the story of Nokia. True. They were the dominant player. True. Um, look at the story of, of, of Sony. They were the dominant player in MP3 and audio, True. and they didn't want to sell MP3s. They wanted to sell CDs. So Apple took, and Apple took over. So were you aware that, oh, Samsung's got a real vision here? 
uh, and I want to be a part of this. What, what, what specifically was was your first job? Was it in marketing with Samsung? Uh, yes, even was uh, product development. It was um, product development, seeing what Apple is doing, trying to forecast what Samsung should do in order to be the first in the market, and then move to the marketing team. I mean, Samsung's big, everything from washing machines to everything. TVs to yeah. phones. What, were you focusing mobile, on one product? Mobile, mobile, mobile divisions. And what were the lessons you learned in those first 12 months? Shit. Look, first of all, the first year, I would say, it was focused on studying. It was an MBA, uh, MBA program. The next uh, couple of years with Samsung working in the headquarters, learned a lot. Learned the structure, working hard, being disciplined, trying to innovate. But the biggest lesson that I learned at the time when I was leaving the headquarters, that was a lesson and a hit, another, another hit. So why were you leaving the headquarters? It was part of the program. You need to be trained in headquarters and then go back to Egypt, lead the Egyptian business. But I, at that time, I didn't want to go. I saw the international exposure. I saw how I'm developing. And I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. So you were smart enough to recognize personal exactly. growth and professional opportunity. True. And going back home was, no, no, that's, no, no, no. Still uh, not now. that's backwater. Yeah. Not yet. Still not, not yet. Still not now. And you know, the lesson was what? At that time as well, I was very well known in headquarters that I'm kind of um, the guy that gets things done. So I thought that I would never uh, go back to Egypt by nature. And the day came and said like, HR called me, said safe, come to uh, HR. So I went to HR, the guy said like, okay, it's time to go back to Egypt. And I said, oh, 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 no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. And I was like a kid. And my ego was very high. So I said- what, what's, what strikes me is I think most people, seniors above you, would probably be smart enough to work out that if they had to go and tell you to do something, if you didn't mm -hmm. want to do it, they knew they were going to come up against a brick wall. Yeah, true, true. And it was like this. The guy told me, you're going to Egypt. I said, no, I'm not going. All your bosses, the bosses of your bosses, the bosses of your bosses, say safe stays in the headquarters. So I'm not going anywhere. At this time, had anyone ever referred to you as an alpha? Were you aware of the term alpha? No, I was always referred to as a tiger. Like my nickname was a tiger. Like Tiger King, Tiger going. And so you, you didn't go to Egypt. Where did you go? Was, was this when you went to Russia? Uh, yes, but the lesson here was different. The lesson here, the guy, HR, came and whispered in my ears exactly like this. Say, put your ego down a little bit. I will replace you with an empty chair in two seconds. I said, oh shit. I can be replaced. And you know, this completely changed my mindset that I would never sit on a table that somebody will tell me I will replace you. In terms of personal development, in terms of business partnership, in terms of relationship, in terms, in terms, in terms, I need to develop myself to the level that I'm not replaceable. And I think we've, we've all had those times when we go into an industry where we're passionate, where we are just driven. True. And it, it, it comes with young men there, and, and it's a good thing that they're aggressive, and I think it also probably is that first lesson in maturity for you. Exactly. That not to, you know, not to slow down or not to take any of the energy out of your goals, but sometimes you do get further being nice to people True. than you do just being a bull at a gate. But, you know, I always, like, when you ask me anything or you want to do with me something, I tell you, what's the objective? I start with the end game, and then I put my plan backwards. So my objective at that time, I'm not going to Egypt. Whatever happens, whatever happens, 
I'm so, not going to Egypt. So, so did you have options or was the company going to tell I you where to go? I created options. Okay. I know how to navigate corporate politics. So no options, but I created an option. First option, I was supposed to come to Dubai. And on the day of flying to Dubai, the position of Samsung in Dubai closed. So it was like, again, going to Egypt. I said, over my dead body, I'm not going to Egypt. I'll create another option. Russia was created. So, I mean, I can understand the company. They're thinking, oh, he's, he's from Egypt. He understands exactly. the culture, the language. He can be our man. Uh, exactly, 100%. And that's why the next one was Dubai. But luckily closed. enough, was the position was closed. So we're in this situation where, obviously, Samsung are thinking he's our he's our man from the Middle East. Yeah, he's grown up there. He's got he's got the language down. Understands the culture, the people. True. And you're thinking, I've got to create another option. Yes. How did you present that? I mean, are you someone when it, when you are working in the corporate environment, are you presenting a new idea? Are you subtly trying to make out to your boss that it's their idea, that you want to go somewhere else? How, mm. how are you playing that psychology? You know, I had a shock, shock when they told me that, because in the Middle East, either at that time, it was Egypt, a big country, like a volume business size, or Dubai. And where, when these two were kind of no, so I have no other option. So I had to create an option for HR, not my bosses, HR, to make me go there. And at that time, I was very strong in contact with the Russian community in headquarters. And with the tips, the games and tricks, I managed to convince the HR to send me to Russia. As a long-term, short-term experiment, how, how did you, how did you a, pitch a, the a, idea? A long, a long-term. Like my my going back from headquarters as if I'm going back to my home country, but I went to Moscow. Was there reluctance from management? Absolutely, but I locked it. And I locked it, I don't want to say by whatever the perspective at that time, but I locked it in a way that they can't say no. You know, like in marketing, you present an offer that everybody will buy. I presented an offer that they can't say no to it. Was there an element of perhaps management understanding if he can convince us of this role, did they then recognize that you must have the ability to put that forward into the marketplace and into so. the consumer? I believe so. They saw me, I'm so, you know, when I want something, I keep hitting on it. I keep it from all sides. So whatever, like your HR, you will find 100 people talking to you that I am the guy to send to Russia. Would it not have been easier for the company to have found a, a native Russian speaker or, or someone to... Would have been a safer investment for them? I will tell you one more thing. I'll, in any place that I, I sit in, I try to add tremendous value. Not just like my R&R, but I add value that when people see, like said, like, oh my God. First of all, I'm not a box mover. I've never been. Although I can sit in headquarters, report come right and left, I pass it over. I was never this way. I add value to the max, even above my paycheck, above my role and responsibilities. So that's why everyone was saying, this is a joker card, we can place him anywhere. Now, now Saif, what was your mother's reaction that you weren't coming home and you're off to Russia? I, my mother is a kind lady. My father's reaction was kind of disaster. Like, where the hell are you going? Because you know, the perception of Russia on the media is totally different than reality. So like, my father come home. 
I said, no, 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 no. I'm going. I'm going to see what's happening over there. Do you think your parents understood you enough to know that we can ask him, but he's on his... Exactly. The tiger's yeah, on his mission. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They know me that way. So you, you, you've gone to Russia. You, you've been with Samsung how long at this stage? Uh, once I came to Russia, mm, four years, five years. And what was, what was the plan then that the company had for you? Or had you subtly tried to tell the company what the plan should be? Man, I had a really shitty start. I came to headquarters, uh, to regional headquarters, Russia, Moscow. And then as soon as I came in, I found my new boss. So it's like, you know, hello, good morning. This is safe from headquarters, MBA, global marketing, headquarters representative. And the guy is a close friend of mine now. But did he like you at the time? No. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, safe, there is a desk over there. There is a, a laptop. There is a presentation on it. So there, there is a bar chart on the presentation. Change the color from yellow to green. I don't like yellow. And I was like, what the fuck? What? I'm headquarters guy. I'm an MBA holder. Change presentation color. It destroyed me. And I said, oh shit, now I understand where I'm going. Was he testing you? No. It's kind of like, you're going to be a redundant guy, so like, go sit somewhere. Simply, I, I need to work with a Russian, so like, just go sit there. So, so you've gone in, you've got, you've got these, these alpha tendencies, yeah. educated, you've overcome the challenges. Yeah. And again, this like goes back to the auntie at school, yeah, the challenge at Orange. Yeah. The challenge in Singapore, yeah. okay. You, you, now it's an even bigger one. You're in a foreign country. It's a new language again. Absolutely. Uh, what was their initial perception of you or what was their, 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 their preconceived ideas that they had of you? Mm, zero. You're nobody and you will never be somebody. So are, are you someone that will sit back and you'll take a long-term plan? Will you strategize? Will you work out a plan to try and overcome? Of course. I need to sit with myself, see what are my next actions. So, I mean, you've got a situation here. So you're in Russia. You've obviously got objectives within your job that you've got to achieve. But then personally, you're also driven because you've got to win the internal battle True. of trying to overcome the culture and get team, team, you know, people in the team to be on your side and to get them motivated because they say that, uh, you know, if, if you're leading and no one's following, you're just going for a walk. Right? I know the best thing is what? Like I came in with this and then positioned the lowest in the organization. In corporate, you know, like product manager. But is, is that maybe an advantage? Because suddenly you've got no pressure on yourself. The company have no pressure on you. And you're, you, you're left alone. And it's the pressure of one guy. Yourself? Yeah, it's the pressure of one guy, the head of this uh, what, division what? at that time. Corporate objective. What, when you were landed in Russia, what were your corporate objectives? What were you there to achieve from the company's point of view? No, no. For me to manage and be the eye of the headquarters in the regional head office. Reporting back to? Headquarters. Okay. Uh, that was the initial thing. And co go, coming from headquarters, you know, like you're going to be our guy over there. But once you hit the ground, you're nobody over there. And... Where, how was Samsung placed in the market? Because in Korea, second. it was second to... Second, oh, okay. At that stage? It's, look, it's different because it was second uh, after Nokia. At that time, Nokia was, we were even like, we were here, Nokia, like different levels, floors. 
until we kicked Nokia out. And then Apple came in, and then we had the fight with Apple. So, and then, okay, well, we, we can... I mean, that's another conversation, yeah. right, about, about technology. But, but here you are, and you managed to reach the CMO position, yeah. Chief Marketing Officer for Samsung in Russia, huge country, huge population, mm. um, an evolving, fast-paced economy that's growing. I'm guessing it, it's, it's a Russia that's suddenly getting more and more Western tastes and they're getting more and more Western exposure and they're wanting all these things like mobile phones. What inside you, did you ever reach a point and sat down and went, right, my goal is I've got to get to the top. I want to be the CMO. How did you get there? You know, for me, it wasn't even to be a CMO. It was to be head of the pyramid. Like, I'm getting to the head of the pyramid, I'm getting to the head of the pyramid, regardless where I am. But the first hit that I took when I realized that I'm just starting the ladder now. After all these years, I'm starting from a product manager, which is simply nobody. And then, <clears throat> with this attitude of the boss, which I thought, okay, I have nowhere to grow. Then I kept thinking to myself, then I have to challenge him. Then it took me a couple of days, then I came and sit with him on the table and I said, okay, look, I remember this conversation very well. I said, look, you know, as mobile phones, there are different operating systems at that time. Samsung had its own operating systems called Bada, then there is a Microsoft operating systems called Omnia, and then there's Galaxy on Android. So at that time, I said, and I was nobody, product manager of nothing. So I said, okay, let's do the following. What if I made your lowest product line the best in the market? Were you laughed at? Hmm? No, I'm serious. I said, like, what if, just give me this. What if I made this Bada line, Samsung Bada line, the best in the market? I said, I said, okay, if this, I'll take the Omnia line. Deal, deal, go. I created everything possible to make this about the line until it became the number one selling smartphone in the market. And your marketing strategy, let, let's, taking away from being the alpha, yeah. I want to know more about how sure. you work as a marketer. Sure. So when do you look at a product? Mm -hmm. You're obviously pitching the, you know, the, the product, its price, where it's in its life cycle, where it's evolving. Sure. As a marketer, where do you see your strengths are? Being, being innovative, being standing out, thinking out of the box. I don't like to do things standard. What was the best campaign you ran in Russia? The best campaign, which is even now everywhere, like there are actually a lot. The first series on YouTube uh, shot by a mobile phone. Um, the biggest outdoor billboard in Europe, created on a shape of a phone. Interactive. Till that moment, it's still over there, and it's still branded Samsung. I'm, I'm, I've no doubt that uh, you you won people over at this the stage. Third, yeah, uh, campaign, the best campaign by Can Leon, which is the new Samsung smartphone campaign for the best camera pictures, shot by a blind guy. <laughs> That's fantastic. Really. That's really good. 99% blind. Really. 
and you, you're having this tremendous success at one of the world's biggest companies. So you're riding this success personally, and it's also going along with the growth of Samsung. Mm. And we're seeing society change dramatically with the way we're using mobile phones. We're 100%. doing text message and photos and videos and, and and this is something that most people have never really you know been accustomed to and, and you're riding this wave but there's clearly another fire burning inside you now for some people who uh, are working for a, a hairdresser it's very easy to say i don't like it here and i'm going to go off and i'm going to do another hairdresser and i'm going to do it better than where i'm working True. you can't really do that with mm. a, a big tech company so was there ever this fire inside you that I want to run my own company. Was there ever this fire that suddenly, how can I, how can I go off? Were you determined to reach the top of Samsung, or was there a point where you thought, no, I want to, I want to just translate and move over and become an entrepreneur? Do you remember the moment when I had with HR and said I can replace you with an empty chair? That's something that even rings in my ears till today. So, I was growing super fast in a company that was never possible to grow in that way as, a, as an employee. So for example, in Samsung, you were to be promoted to another level, it takes three years. Internationally, you can't. I was growing every year, promoted every year. And if I'm not promoted every year, I will turn the world upside down. I'm getting promoted every year with whatever tactics I had, whatever, but delivering results. So I deserve to be promoted. Keeping this in mind that I'm, somebody will replace me one day. So I was always trying some businesses on the site. Trying to run companies, open companies, open startups in different, different, completely different fields. Was Samsung aware of this? Yes, but it's totally, it's not contradicting. So I was like, for example. They weren't in competition. Uh, absolutely. It, I was doing like, I created like, um, I like sports. So I created my uh, whey protein and protein bars and, and, and. I start trading fruits and vegetables. I started my own gym. Uh, tried a lot to test my hands in this thing at that time called entrepreneurship, where everybody says you are nobody if you're an entrepreneur. What, what strikes me about you, Safe, is that you're not, it's not like you're driven by money with these things. You're driven by the art of the deal, the, the success, the yes. achievement, yeah, the, you know doing a deal so this person's better off, this person's better true, off, true. and I've been able to link them true, together. True, true. And this is a lot of success you've had. When you have those moments of self-doubt or maybe you've had a moment where you've got a rejection or things haven't gone your way, how do you speak to yourself? Or who do you reach out to for, for support in those moments? Usually my father. And I had a mentor at that time he was the CMO of Samsung at that time. He's a Turkish guy. He's really a great person who taught me the value of mentorship. So that guy, but at the end of the day, I was always determined that I can solve any problem that I face. If you challenge me, if you put me in a corner, I'm gonna solve it. And it was always like this, you cannot be promoted. No, 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 tell me why I can't be promoted. So I can't be promoted. What if I make you this line or this phone the best in the market? Will you promote? Okay, we meet next year. Here results, 
Where's my promotion? But, that, but that's very easy. But you've got to have a team and, and resources to of support course, you. Of course. I had the best team. I had a team which is known internationally in Samsung. It's called Safe the Kick-Ass Team. And you know, when you go to the section in Samsung, I put a banner. It's called the Kick-Ass Team. And it's not me who did it. The team, my yeah. team gave it to me. So it was always like this. The Kick-Ass Team. Getting things done. And you know, when you're walking in the company and everybody runs around you, like, can I be in your team? Can I be yeah, in your team? Yeah. Can I be in your team? But my team was a red line. I always, absolute red line. If you try to mess with my team, game over. My team is a red line. So you're, you're de- you, you defended, you were fiercely 100%, supportive of you. And 100%. So when you made this, you, you're clearly achieving huge goals. You're ending up the CMO, but on the side, you've got hustles. Yes. Was there a plan to build those up eventually so you could leave Samsung? Or, or were you happy at that stage to kind of, you've got the challenge with Samsung, the company's growing, the phones, the technology's growing, and then you've also got all these other, these other paths. I mean, this, this is, this is, you've already hit a position which most Ooh. people would go, I'm on a good thing here, yeah. I'm, go, I'm gonna keep going. You know, I reached a point where I didn't see further growth. And when I see further growth, it reminds me of the time in Egypt. You understand? Like when you're in your comfort zone, you're 100% not growing. So I reached a level that there is no growth afterwards. I got interviewed by Apple, I got interviewed by other companies, but it's a lateral movement. So I was very happy, and in my character, I'm a hustler. Like, I like to try new things. Even if it doesn't work, I put it in the drawer. The time will come, I will use it. A project, or, or, or. Thank God that I had this sense in me. Because I reached a level that, sorry, safe, you cannot grow more. Like, what do you mean? Like, there is nothing. The other thing, you need to be the president of the company, and the president is only given to Koreans. Like there is, there is nothing else. You, you, you seem to have a, a very strong level of acceptance, which is good. Yeah. In that, okay, if that's how it is, I'm going to go this way, and yeah. I'll my, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll create my own path. In, in Russian, we say desvidania. 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 Bye bye. So you're making the switch. At, at, at how hard was it? I'm, I'm, I think I already know the answer mm. to this one. So. But did you have a, when you left Samsung to become an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. did you just suddenly cut the cord one day or do you, did you already have a job ready and waiting for it? 24 hours. Not one day, 20, really literally 24 hours. Was it an easy decision? You know, sometimes easy or not easy doesn't matter. You just need to take it. I thought it, will be, it was going to be easier than what I faced because it was extremely hell. When, when you're leaving Samsung, what were your goals? Were you, were, was it a financial goal? Was it a personal goal? No, Had no, you no. set yourself a 12, 24 month timeline to be successful? I was financially good. Absolutely financially good. So my thing was, I want to create something. I want to build my, I want to be this, the next Samsung. You know, I want to build something that is really striving and an empire. That was my goal. But going, I joined my family business. So you've gone back to Egypt? I went back to Egypt, then to Turkey, then it's a... What, what was the family business? It's like in hotels, restaurants, and, okay. and, and... And it was a super rough ride. A super rough ride. I thought it's... I thought it's going to be easier, but absolutely totally different ballgame. 
I know a lot of CEOs of family businesses and they say the hardest thing is uh, managing the family members. Managing the family members and going from corporate to being an entrepreneur, it's a totally different ballgame. Meaning, just for people to really understand, when you're in corporate, I was in a level that if I want things to happen, I just raise a phone call or shout at somebody to do it. You understand? Like, yeah. I need a website to be up. I need this contract to be reviewed by legal team. I need this payment to be done by the accounting. Man, <laughs> in own business, you're doing all this yeah, so some VC venture capital guys have told me it's sometimes easier to run a big business than it is to run yeah, a small business when absolutely. you've got to do everything absolutely. yourself. And you know the shock is what? When you're coming from a corporate, like from a tech giant like this, you think that you are the best. You understand? Like you've been CMO, you've been over all the news, you've been with the best people, the celebs, the, 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 the. And then suddenly you understand that you're nobody. But did you find comfort in a new goal? I'll tell you one thing. After, after six months of this hell, because I couldn't deliver results. You understand? I couldn't deliver results. I couldn't do a shit. After six months, I, I remember this, which is a story I repeat. I woke up one day at night and I went to the bathroom. And I look at the mirror and I see myself. I said, like, who the shit is that person? Mm. No, like, no confidence. Uh, super down, uh, doubting himself. And you know the best thing is what? As if I heard that shadow in the mirror whispering to me, say, go back to corporate, that's your game. Like, why are you here? Go back to corporate, live your life. And I remember that time I took a vase next to me and I crashed this mirror. And I said, I don't want to see this shit anymore. It's slightly aggressive? Uh, <laughs> yes, because you know, I remembered, I'm always reverting to my family, to the people that I love, the people that rely on me. And I was always like, I would never put my family down. Was, was there still pressure at this time to move back to Egypt, settle down? It's not about this. It's about, no, I was, at that time I was in Turkey actually. But I can't, I can't be labeled. You know, there is a difference between failure and a defeat. I can't be labeled as I was defeated. I can fail, which is the path that I passed through. I failed in the first six months, but I will never take it as I was defeated. Because you're still learning through those failures. Exactly. So I took my personal development to a totally, totally new level. I really hired coaches, the best coaches in the world in entrepreneurship and, 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 and I doubled the business, double, like even not double the business, five times the business, opened six locations, like, when you're, you're dealing with some of the best coaches, well, I, I want to focus on this mm. point. So you, you've still being an alpha, you're this tiger, but you're smart enough to recognize mm. that I don't have all the answers. Mm. I need to leverage off other people's lessons and leverage of other people's success or sometimes at the end of the day have someone to have a, have a chat 100%. to. 100%. So you found these coaches and, and you're working with them. What was their main advice to you? Were they just, were they trying to steer you in a certain direction or were they more just trying to offer a level of support when, when, when you couldn't give it to yourself? I'll put it in a lesson that I learned very hard in entrepreneurship, okay? And it will answer this question. Success leaves clues, Tony Robbins. So whatever you want to do in life, somebody did it. 
So you need to be smart enough to learn it from somebody. Which takes me to another thing, which is, I would say, there is nothing called motivation to succeed. Mm. Which means what? If you get a lot of entrepreneurs in front of you, the successful ones and the failed ones, they're both have the motivation to succeed, the hunger to, uh, to succeed. But one failed and the other succeeded. So it's not about the motivation. Like, I can succeed. It is designed to succeed. So everything that you do, it has a design to succeed. Means what? You can't, let's I put this analogy. You can't come to a plane and the pilot sits inside of the plane and yalla fly, right? It's not the motivation, yalla fly. The plane is designed, all the elements of it, to fly. Exactly as business. Business, it's this, if there is a business, it has to have a design, the ecosystem of product and services and departments that is designed to succeed. And that's what I learned through mentorship and coaching. So you're with the family business. You've gone five times, but you've had some challenges and you've learned from those and you, you work with mentorship. Where did you go to next? Dubai. Now, Dubai is not what it was today. Many people, even people that were living here at the time would hear Dubai's got all these sort of projects. They're gonna build a palm. They're gonna build the world's tallest building. And if you probably asked half the people living here at the time, they thought those things weren't possible. Did you believe it was gonna be possible of, of what Dubai is now? You know, I'll tell you, that's an interesting thing and it's good to share. I've been always living in countries that I don't know their main language. So I, I always had to rely on somebody to translate to me what is happening. So I was in a moment in my life at, then, at that time and I, I was in Turkey. First of all, I understood that I can't stay in a comfort zone. So in Turkey, I was in my comfort zone. Everything I know inside out. So I was completely in my comfort zone. Mm. So I couldn't stay. So I had to move outside of my comfort zone in order to develop. Correct? The option that I had is to, I want to come to my region, which is the Middle East. Middle East. What was the country at that, or the city, is Dubai. And why Dubai? Because Dubai, one of the things, everybody's afraid of Dubai in terms of competition, that's harsh, it is, it is, it is. But at the same time, Dubai as a city, it pars you up. It levels you up. Yeah. You always need to be on top of your game. Or you always, and I wanted that. It's also supportive of the hustler culture. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. People recognize it and they see it in other people and they want to work with that person. 100%, 100%. That's why I love Dubai from that perspective. It always pushes you to part up. So you've got this great CV now. So you've, we've done Orange. You've overcome the challenges of South Korea. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you've made it here. The, the, the path was well-worn to go back to Egypt. Yeah. You've broken that down. You've gone to Russia. Uh, you've had challenges there. Yeah. You've recognized and you've gone back to the family business and going back to Egypt, but you've had considerable growth and perhaps some personal development within the family. Yeah. And, and, and now the path is lending you back to Dubai. Did you come here with a job or did you no, come here with an idea? I came with, I am setting up here, the business. That's it. Was there a core business you wanted to focus on? Mm. Actually, I was doing my online coaching. Uh, so you're doing mentorship? Yeah. Okay, mentorship so, so, so the mentorship, the American University at Dubai, you, yeah. you were working with other entrepreneurs. Yeah. And what, what's your main advice to someone who says they want to be an entrepreneur? 
I mean, (laughs) do some people just say this because they think this is a cool thing to do and a great way to make money? It's not cool at all. It's one of the hardest things that you can ever enter. It is the pressure and um, the pressure that you will have, you will never see anywhere else. So if you're a type of person that you break fast, stay away from entrepreneurship. There's an old saying, we are nothing more but the decisions that we make. True. Are you a good decision maker? I make decisions, good or bad, I make. I need to be decisive. The worst thing that you can have on yourself is a decision unmake. And regardless what it is, I make the decisions and I can pivot afterwards. So Saif, we've discussed how you, in your teenage years, had challenges with education. Yeah. People labelled you that you couldn't do it. And you overcome those and you were successful. Mm-hmm. You've gone over to South Korea where you've, you've worked with, with Samsung, but you've also been part of their MBA program yeah. and you've studied and you've gone to Russia and clearly you've had learnings of culture, of, of language, aside from just having to learn how to do the job. Mm-hmm. Back to the family business, which has had huge success, but you've had personal challenges and you've reached out to mentors to help with your development. And now you're at a point where you found yourself in Dubai and you're mentoring up and coming on entrepreneurs. What's your take on, I guess, the current education system? Because we can teach reading, writing and arithmetic and there are a lot of lessons perhaps that, in my view at least, should be taught at the home that people say schools should teach them. But we're not really teaching how to fail. We're not really Mm -hmm. teaching about the learnings through failure and actually having a go. And being an entrepreneur is very hard because when I did my MBA, I found I learned more in the lunch break. Exactly. True. from 15 different people on True. all their sectors and their challenges 100%. and their industries that I knew nothing about, more so than just going through basic accounting True. principles. How, how do you see the current educational system and how it helps entrepreneurs? Okay. You know the best thing about, I want to comment on MBA, because everybody is telling me, do I need to do an MBA? Do I need to do an MBA? Do yeah. I need to? MBA is very good only for networking. Or getting uh, you into a club and a net, yeah. Exactly. Networking, you're... Like my M- the MBA, which I did, I have people across the world. So my network is extremely big. So this is the MBA, I will not get into it. But let's talk about this, the education, the schools. The problem with schools that it was even created to create what we call in the industrialized workers. Never was created to create entrepreneurs, okay? The schooling system is extremely old for industrialized workers. Go to the factory, do one, two, three, four, five, six. Why? When we're in school, if you're smart enough to find the answer from somebody else, right, you're gonna be considered a cheat, right? So if I find somebody smart enough that can do my biology homework, I'm a cheat, right? But the entrepreneur or in the entrepreneurship mentality or mindset, no, I need to find the person that can do the job according to my abilities, like affordability, and make it do it for me. School doesn't teach you this way. An entrepreneur job is to find people to do the job that I can do. School doesn't teach this. School teaches you to do things your own, study everything, ba ba ba, that one. That's not entrepreneurship. That's why I'm saying schools create industrialized workers, not entrepreneurs. In another sense, schools try to make you know all the answers, right? Study the textbook. Know all the answers, right? 
Entrepreneurs doesn't know, doesn't need to know all the answers. They need to know from where to get the answers. It's a totally different it's thing. It's a mindset. It's a mindset because what? If I know all the answers, it will slow me down as an entrepreneur. Because if I know everything, if I'm an expert in everything around me, it will slow me down. Why? Because I will stop asking myself the silly questions. I will st- stop objecting the assumptions. So it will slow me down. Life shown hundred of times that life rewards people who connect the dots, doesn't reward the dots. And that's an entrepreneur. Steve Jobs says at Apple, we, we don't, well, he used to say, we don't hire people to tell them what to do. We exactly. hire them to tell us what to, what do. to do. Exactly. And that's the problem with the current education system. That's why you see a lot of incubators, uh, startup accelerators that comes after educational system which was created again for industrialized workers. It's like you do the high school and then you learn a skill. You learn how to be an engineer and then you get a job at the car company and you work there for 35 years and then you retire and that's it. True, but that's it. You, you realized early on, I can do my skill, I can get a job at the car company and I can be replaced by anyone mm-hmm. at True. any time. And now we're also finding, and I think this plays part of your success with Samsung, is that you were at front and you were the front and center of technology mm-hmm. and how fast it was evolving. Oof. So you weren't the guy on the factory floor making the cars that knew that these cars weren't going to be made anymore exactly. and I've got to change. True. You think that played an advantage with your mindset because you were able to see how rapidly each product was evolving and how marketing continuously needed to change. I think this is yes correct plus plus when the HR told me again, I yeah. can replace you. So once this thing was in my head, I always want to get myself better, be better, develop myself. Till this day, I have a couple of hours a day I'm developing myself at something. Every single, regardless what it is, reading a book, having a course, whatever it is, I need to be always updated. And is that the main lesson? from entrepreneurship to con- the constant evolution? Yes, one of the things, yeah, yeah, you need to be... What do you think is the main lesson? For, from entrepreneurship, I would say really, again, always look, excuse my language, fuck motivation. So always look for the design of success. See what others' mentors are doing, the people who passed your journey. Make the thing that is designed to success. There is nothing called motivation, I will do it. I just want to do it. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like this in life. Want to do it, want to do it, want to do it, you will hit in the wall. Design. Things are designed to succeed. And this is really the one of the main messages I want to tell people. Everything passed through a pattern. There is a process of getting things done. There is really a design of or a framework to make this type of business work. So there is a plan. There is a plan. It's not, I want to lose weight. I love it. It's not, here is your diet. Here is your training regime. We follow this for eight weeks. 100%. And that's one of the the things that I see with um, young entrepreneurs, really. Like, I just want to win. I'm going to do it. I believe in myself. 100%. Keep believing. But if you know it, you will save a lot of time and money and effort. If you really looked for the design of success of your business model. A lot of great entrepreneurs, and uh, Sir Richard Branson is one who says, if a business sets out to make money, it will fail. Mm -hmm. But if a business sets out to solve a problem, Mm -hmm. 
it's got a better chance of success. Sure, sure. And does that play into that? And that probably plays into your engineering background, uh, going back to your early mm. years of, you love the idea of, we've got a problem. Mm. How do we solve it? Where's the plan? Where's the line? Done, all right, where's the next problem we can fix? Sure. And also, the next innovation that you will do, like this, like this, doesn't matter. You need to always innovate. If you have a product or service, you need to always get it upgraded, upgraded, upgraded. Exactly the phones. Galaxy 10, S10, S11, S12, S3. You need to always, I look at, sometimes I look at businesses which they're running for three, four years. Man, you're gonna die. You need to always innovate. My grandfather was a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, He came out of uh, the the Great Depression and the Mm. World War years and didn't get to finish school. Um, and he worked as a butcher, as he did in the 20th century. Yeah. And he evolved into becoming a supplier of machinery to butcher shops mm-hmm. and designing age. machinery and then having salesmen to evolve. Mm. But what was funny about him speaking about mobile phones, we got him his first mobile phone and he struggled with it yeah. a little bit because he was mm-hmm. mechanical. Yeah. And then at two years later, we got him a newer mobile phone and it was thinner. And he said, oh, that hasn't got the guts of the old one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want the bigger one. And it was, no, that was his, that was the, yeah. the thinking of the time. True. Bigger is better. True. And we true. have a mindset of slimmer is, better, is faster. Yeah, and that's part of that evolution true. that we're talking about. You've had all this success and, and, and we've mentioned the timeline, but where did the alpha movement come in? Because clearly it's always been there. You've been labeled the tiger early mm. on. Where did this idea come from to be self-aware, to realize I've got this gift, how can I share it with people? Started in COVID. When we started to sit at home, start looking online and you have nothing else to do. And you start seeing around that really people are, I would say nuts. Nuts means living extremely below their potential, which is simply, did you see this video from that person? Look how they live. Look, man, focus on yourself. And that initiated thing, this in me. Like, man, you have the potential, man or woman. You have the potential. Just go after your potential. Don't just sit and compare yourself to people. Because with this social media thing that we live in, you always see something. Well, and I would say like 80% of is not true. So you're comparing... It's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Either there are two things. You're comparing to something fake or you're comparing yourself to somebody in a totally different point than where you stand right now. And just people are like, so I, you need to be an alpha. What do you think is an alpha? Alpha is always a leader, right? Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Alpha is the leader of the animal pack. And the, I would say the old saying of an alpha is the person who is an aggressive, arrogant, egocentric, controlling behavior, and, 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 and. But I believe modern days, the alpha traits evolved in modern, modern days. And these are the things that I embody, and I would love people to have these traits in them, which is the alpha traits of modern time, which is the person who is fiercely determined the person who takes tough decisions, the person who's a leader, the person who's caring about uh, taking responsibilities of beloved ones, 
the person who's impactful, influential, the person who's, I would say even, mm, he's strong emotionally, spiritually, and physically. These are all the, the, I would say, the modern traits of an alpha rather than the egocentric and, and, and. Are people born alphas or can they become alphas? <sighs> I believe, strongly believe, any person can be or can cultivate traits in them if they want to do it, to do it. To be decisive or take tough decisions, it's your decision. To be strong spiritually, emotionally, and physically, it's your decision. To take care of your beloved ones and your, uh, the, the responsibility, it's your decision. You can cultivate this in you. So the, the lessons I've learned from you during this is that it is all about making that decision, but also being able to recognize, if I want to be this strong at something, but maybe I need help with it, go find your help. You, mm. you can go about recognizing those weaknesses, true. but recognizing they can still be better. Yeah, I just, true. no, that's not good, but I'm going to find someone to help true. me work on it. And, and that's the key attribute I, I, I'm learning from you. What, what do you think are the other pillars of the alpha movement? In order to make this a global movement, which is in the, in the process, so there are pillars that, as a team, we created, which is one of them is the Alpha Talks podcast, to spread the word. The second is the Alpha Book, se- book Series, which is coming up. The Alpha Training Vault, which is an online training platform. The Alpha Club, which is a community of like-minded people. And the Alpha Ventures, which is the support of entrepreneurs, either by mentoring or by investing. These are the pillars of the Alpha movement. You've worked a lot with big brands. In fact, some of the biggest brands on on the planet and worked with the marketing teams. Are brands only for companies or do people have brands as well? I love the question. (laughs) Nowadays, I I would not say there are brands for companies. The strength relies in the personal brand. Before Gen X, Baby boomers, the, all these generations were strongly attached to companies and brands. Going these days, people are attached more to personal brands. So that's why I say like the personal brand these days, it's the strongest thing that you can create. So would you say a company like Tesla is a brand or how much does Elon Musk's personal brand influence Tesla? Man, you're following me or what? I would, <laughs> I would say one good story about Tesla. Tesla is a company which was created almost 10 years back, okay? In comparison to Ford, which created in the early 90s, okay? More or less, they have the same market evaluation. Wow, Ford and Tesla. The first car, the Model T Ford. Exactly, exactly. And that is why, that's the power of Elon Musk personal brand. Whether you like the guy or not, whether he, but at the end he's honest, his truth, authentic. There are people that like him and he's a hero for people, correct? And that's why the value of the company behind is going up. These days, people connect with personal brand rather than companies. And I always love to say that a personal brand these days, it is the only legal monopoly available on earth. You can take the company, you can take whatever you want. The government can come take the company, correct? But they can never take a personal brand. 
If Tesla died tomorrow and Elon Musk set up a second electric car company, people would still exactly gravitate towards it. Elon Musk sold the truck, even the truck wasn't there. Correct? Still, the first order. Yeah, and the coming. window broke. Even exactly, though it wasn't exactly. And the window broke. <laughs> so he sold the car, even with a, there was no car. And when they put the mock up, it was yeah. the window broke. You've had a remarkable career and you've won an incredible amount of awards and accolades. Are they important to you? It's like, you know, it's like the cherry on the cake uh, awards. But there, of course, there are a couple of them that makes you, man, you did it. One of them, which really made a strong impact on me when I was awarded by the Russian president. Which, which president? Uh, Putin. It's even hanging over there. I was awarded for the performance that we did in the uh, Sochi Olympics 2014. And that was something that, man, you're a foreigner. You started, I would say, a shitty start. And you were acknowledged by the effort, the results, and the value that you, let's say, delivered. And that was, for me, something that I couldn't even believe. That was, I would say, like a very strong one. The second one was being the Men of Influence 2023. With all the efforts that you're doing with your mentoring, with your coaching, with your Because you're giving something have. back. Exactly. How important is it for entrepreneurs and leaders to give back? The more you give, the more you get. And I learned it really from my mentor again, uh, Guvinch, uh, from Samsung. The value that he gave me is unbelievable. I still have the papers from him. The list of books that I read, you need to read this, you need to read this, you need to... I still have these. The Alpha Movement's in full swing with the podcast and the books and, and, and the courses, but you know, giving you a record from this, these humble beginnings in Egypt as the, the kid who struggled in, in school to suddenly being this award winner recognised on the global stage, what legacy do you want to leave? Legacy is a very strong, a very strong term. And a lot of people inspire or aspire to have a, to leave a strong legacy. But there is no time to dreams because time is passing. So you need to work on it. But the best thing to leave is a righteous child, an ongoing benefit, and knowledge that can be implemented way after you leave. So these are the three main main things. The important part here, because it comes, I think, from the alpha DNA, is the message that I want to have on my grave. And that's kind of part of the legacy. And, and what's that message? The message will say, here lies a man that no person on earth could twist his arm. And because it's translated from Arabic, twist his arm, we live in a society or an era that people can push you in a way to do things against your values, principles, and, and, and. So I want even this message to be stated on my grave, that here lies a man that no person on earth could twist his arm. Well, it's a remarkable legacy to leave. Saif Al-Hakim, 
Hopefully you've enjoyed being a guest on your own show. Ooh, I loved it. <laughs> I really loved it. Congratulations on your work. You're an inspiration. <laughs> I love it. Thank and you very much. keep working with the Alpha, Alpha movement. Thank you very much. That wraps another inspiring episode of today's show. I hope that this episode has ignited your inner Alpha and left you feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. Remember... Alphas aren't born, they're made. It isn't about dominating others. It's about embracing your authenticity. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Alpha Talks on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow Alphas. Also connect with us on social media at Safer Hakim. Share your thoughts, insight, and stories of personal and business growth with us. Let's create a movement of Alphas supporting one another. The world needs more Alphas like you exactly. Until next time, stay bold, stay driven, and stay alpha.